Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Sports are a competition. Uh, I think if you become a sports person, you want if you end up excelling in any way at sports, it's because you tend to be a competitor and you like challenges. Give me a challenge. Give me give me a game to win. Give me someone to beat. Let me make myself better. Let me put my nose to the grindstone for 6 months in the off season and show up better next season than I was last season. And that's what Sports hones that part of your personality, and it, it drives you forward. Um, so, you know, almost 10 years ago, no, actually a little bit more than 10 years ago, it was uh, my former teammate, TCU teammate, Alfred Williams, invited me to sit in this chair, actually the chair where you are now, um, and fill in for DMAC. DMAC was up doing the X Games in Aspen for a couple of days. So I think I sat in for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And uh, up until that point, you know, people had said, hey, you know, you might want to give this radio uh, TV thing a shot. And I was like, no, you know, I'm just I'm too shy. I'm just too quiet of a person. And it's just not going to be who I am. And it's not my personality type. So uh, Alfred was essentially hooking me up. I had the fire at my reptile facility uh, about a week before that. So he was just trying to get my mind off of it, being a good brother. Um, so he invited me in to do the broadcast. And I did the three days, and I said, okay. That wasn't awful. Uh, I, I think I'd like to explore that. And it became a challenge to myself. Not to, not with the goal of, ooh, I want to be on Monday Night Football, or I want to be Michael Strahan or Nate Burleson and be on some morning show. It wasn't any dream like that. Of just, It was just the pure challenge of, a, of it all. Can I take this shy, quiet person and turn him into somebody uh, who is more comfortable in his own skin and, you know, uh, accepts the challenge of doing something that's outside of himself and outside of his personality. And uh, so I walked into this broadcasting thing. I did the NFL boot camp and I've taken on, you know, different radio shows around town and tried some TV with Fox 31 and just slowly but surely kept working and kept working and kept working. Uh, then at the age of 50, two years ago, I'm 52 now, I made a vow on my 50th birthday. I'm going to do blank that scares me. Fill in that word if you want. Stuff? Stuff. Okay. I'm going to do stuff that scares me. So when Raj, our, our program director, said, you know what? I want to do a, sh- a show with you and Nate, um, but I want you to drive the show. My answer immediately was Yes. Because that's stuff that scared me. Hmm. Not only am I going to be on radio, but I got to sit across from me. I got to sit across from your ugly mug, but I got to drive the show. It's going to, the show is going to go based on my thoughts and whims and words. And oh man, that's scary. So the answer is yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do things that scare me. Um, Well, the whole point of this long wind up here is. Uh, there is a reward to challenging yourself. There is a reward to doing stuff that scares you. Um, and it may not always be what you want. It may not come exactly when you want it. Um, you know, these rewards in life, uh, you know, they have a funny way of not being exactly what you expected. 
Um, and sometimes it's never, it's never quite what you expected. No, it's, it's it's actually not. So in this case, uh, from that initial sitting down with Alfred Williams and going, okay, I think this is a challenge that I'd like to take on. To I'm going to do stuff that scares me, and I'm going to gain some confidence in myself and my ability to do all this. To fast forward to Saturday night, I'm sharing a booth with Steve Levy who did Monday Night Football the last couple of years. So while, you know, the goal was never to be, oh, I want to be on Monday Night Football, I'm sharing a booth with a dude who did Monday Night Football because I challenged myself, because I did stuff that scares me, because I tried to grow as a human being and as a, as a person outside of, you know, what I did on the, on a football field and didn't let the limitations and fears of myself Hold me back. So uh, this is not a, a segment to, you know, brag upon myself and look at all the cool things that I've accomplished. That is not the point at all. The point at all is to be some type of uh, inspirational point or motivation point for those who have those self-imposed limitations upon themselves. Because there was no one who said, Chad, you can't do this. I didn't do this to, sh- to prove some people wrong. I, I did something. I did this to prove to myself that I can continue to grow. That uh, the Chad who played football, there was another version and another segment to Chad that I had to grow within. So uh, I say all this to say, yeah, take those limits off yourself. Don't let yourself hold you back from things that are out there for you. Is it going to be hard? Are you going to struggle? Is it going to be some tough moments? Well, of course, that's how life works. Um, but looking at uh, Josh Johnson, you know how many times somebody told him, we don't need you. A lot. You saw that graphic, yeah. Yeah, 18, yeah. 18 wow. teams, four different mm. professional football leagues. Wow. But your belief in yourself, your your you, to continue to go out there and challenge yourself, because all it takes is one more yes, and one more yes, and one more yes. So, um, yeah, don't hold yourself back from yourself. Challenge yourself. Do things that scare you. You may be surprised with where you end up. I love it. Um, life is a competition in a lot of ways. That's why they call it the human race. Right. And the moment you were conceived, you won a race where the chances were won in like 7 billion. Right. And you won that. <laughs> yes. You ended up here. The fact that you're here means you won that race. And America really is about competition. The moment you come out of the womb, they, they weigh you, they measure you, they give you a percentage, a percentile. And and they never stop measuring your your progress, your abilities, your, your grades, your percentages, the way they stack up with everyone else. You get into sports, and that's a competition. So embrace it. Right. Don't complain about it. Just compete. And ch- like you said, challenge yourself. It, it, they do say there's no second acts in America, in American life. And and for some people who you know move on from one career at relatively early ages it is daunting to start anew and start something new as athletes man we it was never about what we said it was about what we did and you could just shut up and play right and let your play speak for itself and then all of a sudden you're out in the world and uh you got to use your words you got to come up with some ideas you got to raise your hand and articulate what you have in your head and we had never learned how to do that um when i started doing radio a couple years ago uh i moved back here and i was just doing the on-call stuff and and i was you know, I would get a call at 9 p.m. and say, hey, can you fill in tomorrow morning at 6 a.m.? And I'm like, sure. And uh, I would come in here, and I, 
Mike Evans, right off the bat, he's out of the gate. He's Mike Evans. Right. right it's 6 a.m. and we're talking, right? <laughs> right. And I'm sitting over here <laughs> just trying to get a word out. Right. And I couldn't. And it was like garbled and I couldn't formulate my thoughts. And I just felt really insecure about it. But the more you do it, the more reps you do, the better you get at it. And just like anything in life, it's it takes practice and you got to you got to accept that you're not going to be perfect. But um, you improve, and you start to see slow incremental improvement, and that that itself is, um, man, it just makes you, it just makes you come back the, the next day for more and feel more and more and more confident. And um, so, yeah, man, I'm proud of you. You sounded great in that broadcast. And hey, you talk about Monday Night Football. Why not, Chad? Why not Chadwick Everett Brown on Monday Night Football? Uh, I can see it, and I think you did a great job the other night. Thank you. Again, you know, this this was not a segment to to talk about, you know, where I've gone and where I'm at and all that, but just the the concept of self-imposed limitations are ridiculous. You can do whatever it is, you know, hopefully, maybe not the ultimate goal, but they, what they say, you shoot for the stars, maybe you reach the moon and all that, all those cliches, they're there for a reason. Um, and it's to remove the, the, the harness of, of literally holding yourself back because of some fear or some discomfort. Um, great things are not achieved in comfortable spaces. Uh, great personal achievements are not done in, in a place that's complete within your wheelhouse. So, uh, yeah, push yourself. Step outside your comfort zone. Do stuff that scares you. Uh, we got James Merrillat next. Um, James sometimes scares me with his crazy opinions. We'll see if you, he will frighten me today. He's next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Welcome in James Merlatt, editor at DenverFan.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Happy rainy Tuesday to you, James. Yeah, what's up, fellas? I'm, uh, you know, I'm up here in Broomfield. We're the ones getting uh, getting hammered today. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's been an interesting Tuesday morning, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's getting hammered down here now. There's probably about uh, four or five inches of rain out there in that parking lot. It's coming down pretty good, like a monsoon. Yeah, you know, here. they always say that we need the moisture, so we'll just go with that. <laughs> I'll resist any jokes there that were just... <laughs> don't resist. Don't resist. <laughs> That's you who can't resist. I'm the That's guy true. who resists. Yes. yes, you're the resistor. All right, uh, James, um, it is Tuesday. We've had a couple of days now from uh, the Broncos' uh, Saturday night uh, performance. Uh, give us a recap. Uh, I was very encouraged by what I saw. I mean, if you go through the, the whole stint when the Cowboys were here, obviously Thursday's joint practice was the biggest news for me and the fact that the Broncos came out and they were the aggressor, and, and they essentially did to the Cowboys what the Niners did to them three years ago. That was the, the most important part of it. I thought that was extremely encouraging. That carried over into the game, however. I, I thought the biggest thing going in was, hey, does Nathaniel Hackett and his coaching staff, most of which, at least all the coordinators and the head coach, it's the highest coaching position they've ever had. Do they look like they've got things under control and they know what they're doing and everything's organized? And That sounds silly, but after what we've watched the last three years, that that was a concern of mine, and they were they were buttoned up. They ran a they ran a tight ship. They knew what they were doing. They managed the clock perfectly at the end of the first half. All of that stuff was good. And then I like the way this team approaches 
the game. They're aggressive. It's not, you know, bend but don't break. It's not death by a paper cut. It's not, hey, on offense, just don't go out and make a mistake and put our defense in a, in a bad position. It's the opposite of that, and you, you saw that at the end of the first half up 14 nothing. Minute two to go, you're at your own 10-yard line, and it's, hey, let's, let's push it. Let's try to get more points. Easier to do in a preseason game. I get that. But I do think we saw some of the personality of this team in terms of the aggressiveness. So I would give uh, the, 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 the practice against the Cowboys an A+. Plus. I would give the other night a A-, minus B plus. I mean, 17-7 is you know, hard to get terribly excited about, but it was nothing, uh, nothing concerning. I'll put it that way. James, you've been on record as saying that if the Broncos don't start off 8-3, and three, they're not going to have a chance to make a run at the playoffs, okay? Considering the need to get off to a hot start, how would you approach preseason for the starters? Would you play them at all, knowing that they got to come out of the gate hot? I wouldn't start them at all. I, I, I don't think you – I wouldn't play them at all. I don't, I don't think you have to play them in order for them to start off hot. I don't think that that's a, that's a direct correlation. Now, will they be a little rustier on September 12th than if, had they played? Perhaps, but let's say they play this Saturday. That's three weeks and two days. It's 23 days before they play in Seattle. Like, that's plenty of time to get rusty again. So I, I don't think that quarter in Buffalo, eh, 23 days before the first game, is really going to help all that much. So well, are you making an argument then for them to play in the third preseason game? No, okay. no. I think it's the same. To some extent, it's the same argument, right? Then you're 16 days before your first game. I, I just don't, I, I don't see the point of it. Um, I don't think it's close enough that it that it makes a lot of sense in terms of, hey, we're going to be sharp. I think it's something that you're going to have to get to that point via the practice, the week of practice leading up to the game. And you know what? Everybody's somewhat in the same boat because even those teams that play starters, you know, Patrick Mahomes playing a drive against the, the Bears, you know, three, what, 30 days before their first game. I, I just don't think that's going to help them come opening weekend. So, I don't think it's necessary. I think the risk versus the reward is heavily tilted. If you lose somebody, you know, what do you do to recover from that? And is there a benefit in playing? Sure. I just think it's minute. So I don't think the uh, the risk is worth the reward. Uh, I will respectfully disagree. Um, That's okay. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of figured I was uh, I was going to go up against two that didn't agree with me on that one. Um, well, James, real yeah, quick, Chad. Yep. Someone saying is is are you still upset about field day, James? Yes, because it's <laughs> because, not work. Because, <laughs> right, but isn't preseason work as well? Uh, aren't those practices? Um, you know, aren't those opportunities to get out there? Isn't that work? It is, but there's also a risk to it. There's so, but very you little are risk still to upset? a mini camp practice. Very little risk. Mm, very okay. little risk, and there actually is a reward, right? Like there's a benefit in, you know, a, a third of your mini camp practices. That's what that day was. There's a benefit to that and very little risk. Not that there's no risk, but there's very little risk versus in a preseason game. I'm not saying there's no benefit in it. I'm just saying there's a big risk, and I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's worthwhile. We saw that two plays into the game the other night. Jonas Griffith, you know, dislocating his elbow and he's out. Um, you know, that's an injury the Broncos can recover from. Not that you, you know, ever wish it upon anybody or you're ever fine with it, but that's not one that's going to derail their season. There certainly are guys that if, it, if they lost them with, you know, Russell Wilson at the top of the list, it would completely derail the, the season in August. I just think that's, uh, I just think that's silliness. Okay. All right, so while I respectfully disagree, I, I, I will let your statement stand on its own without my uh, voice and my uh, different opinion. You and I got two hours on Thursday we can argue about it, Chuck. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll save it for then. We'll save it for then. Okay, so 
if that is the case, and there's literally nothing to be gained by playing the starters in the preseason uh, versus the on, on a risk reward scale, um, what do you hope to see from the Broncos, and what can Nathaniel Hackett and this Broncos team accomplish? here with game two Saturday against Buffalo and then the next game with the third game of the preseason. Well, I do think it's a little bit of what we saw in game one. It is diminishing returns. And, you know, really, I think they need zero preseason games. I'd be fine with one. But it, it, now it's just, you know, we're in Groundhog Day at this point because it's going to be the same thing we just saw. You know, I, I think, again, it's it's showing that, uh, hey, you're organized, you know what you're doing, you have a process for calling timeouts and challenging plays and, and things like that, um, you know, kind of the communications and how everything's happening on the sideline and Hackett's on the sideline instead of in the booth and all those things that we've heard about feels ad nauseum for the last three years and making sure that stuff is is buttoned up. And then I think you can instill a mentality, right? I, I think there's a mentality of, hey, how, defensively, what do we do on third and third and five, third and six? Are we sitting back and you know trying to make sure we don't give up a big play? Are we coming after people? And hey, if you can stand in there in the face of a you know, pressure and deliver a pass, more power to you. There's those kind of things that I think you can see. You know, offensively, what are we doing on third and five? Are we throwing it short of the sticks and hoping we can make a play? Or are we pushing the ball downfield? Those were some of the things I thought were were most impressive and most encouraging on Saturday. You can continue to see that. And then, you know what? There are guys that, that can shine. I thought Baron Browning was sensational on Saturday. Now he's going against the twos and threes from Dallas. But if you can play at this level, at a high level, you should dominate against the twos and threes from the Cowboys. He did. So you can continue to find guys like that. It's the Seth Williams. It's the Kendall Hinton. It's the Baron Browning. It's the Justin Chernad, who I thought was really good, and they may need him more than they thought now. So you can find those guys. You can find diamonds in the rough and, and, and you know, maybe polish that a little bit. But I don't think you need to accomplish or try to accomplish anything with your starters. James, I'm going to pose the question to you that I posed to Chad, okay? Right. Um, the receiver room is very, very crowded. And if you think about the 53-man roster, you got Corlin Sutton, he's going to make it. Jerry Judy, he's going to make it. K.J. Hamler, if he gets off pup, he's probably going to make it. Montreal Washington, he's going to make it. And if you believe what they say about Tyree Cleveland being a core special teamer, he's going to make it. That's five. Maybe there's room for one more. So if you have to choose between Jalen Virgil, Brandon Johnson, Kendall Hinton, or Seth Williams to be on that active roster, which one of those four guys are you going to take? I would take Seth Williams. I think he's got the most upside, the most potential. And if you're talking at that spot on the depth chart and, and that spot on the roster, I think you're I think you're going for upside. I think you're going for hey, who, who could turn into a star? I, I don't. I just. I guess I would disagree with the premise a little bit. Of I don't think Tyree Cleveland, based on his special teams play, is a is a lock by any means. I would take Kendall Hinton and Seth Williams, and I would take Tyree Cleveland off that list. I think Seth Williams has more upside than, than Tyree Cleveland and they're similar in terms of you know body type and and things they can do from a receiver standpoint uh, you know the the good on special teams is kind of one of those things that people throw out because they like a player and they don't really know 
what to say about him, and I think Tyree Cleveland falls in that category. We heard about it with Andy Janovich all the time. We heard about it with Josie. Wait, they like a player, but they don't know what to say yeah, about. There's him. nothing concrete <laughs> to 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 back it up, right? Like, but you, oh, so I like Josie Jewell. He's a really or Andy Janovich. He's a really good player. Well, based on what? Oh, he's good on special teams. It's like seeing somebody that they want to you know set you up with has a good personality. It's like oh, okay, that's a red gosh. flag to me. So you don't <laughs> think a guy can be? Teams. You don't think a guy can be an asset to a, to an NFL team by being good on special teams? I think they 100 percent can. So if you say to me, hey, Kayvon Webster, he was good on special teams, my mind instantly goes to three, four, five plays I remember Kayvon Webster okay. making on special teams. Tell me the play Andy Janovich made or Josie Jewell made or Tyree Cleveland made on special teams. I can't. So Tell me the not, last it, time you dissected a special teams play. <laughs> I, yeah, I get you. You're right. The you know number of I mean? times we've watched, watching the all that. 22 of special teams is zero. Right. I, that's fair. But you don't remember those moments. Again, mm. Kayvon Webster, we do. And I can come up with one where Josie Jewell screwed it up, okay. right, where it's yeah. you know, 21 nothing loss at the Chargers in L.A., the first time the Broncos have been shut out since getting shut out in 1990 by the, by the Saints, and they give up a, a, a punt return, and there's Josie Jewell not staying in his lane. So mm. if I can come up with one negative but can't come up with one positive, I don't know that he's a great special cut, teams right? player. Get him out of here. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I just think it's something people throw out there because it's hard to refute. Oh, he's a great special teams player. Well, okay, Jay, well, how do you refute that? Well, that, 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 that that's my point with it. I think it's a it's a kind of a throwaway compliment. The the, re, the reality is though, your fifth and sixth receivers, those guys do need to play special teams, yeah. or they're not going to suit up, right? I agree. So, and so I, I just I don't know that Seth Williams can't. Okay. It can't do what Tyree Cleveland does on special teams. Okay. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying special teams isn't important. It, we've if, it, if we've seen anything in the last five years, it's the, how, how important that phase is in the Brock Olivo, Tom McMahon disasters. And I'm super high on Dwayne Stukes. He's arguably my favorite guy on this coaching staff. I just don't know that Tyree Cleveland gets a spot over Seth Williams because of special teams. Somebody would have to prove that to me. I'll put it that way, Nate. Wasn't it Coach Dukes who said that Tyreek Cleveland is a core special teams guy? Well, you know. Yeah, well, well, I don't well, like him I, that much. I, I mean, like he's all coach, right. But, uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> believe what he says. In there. We'll see. We'll see. And, and maybe he did. And, then, and if he did, then sure, that, that does give and him that's a change. my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. James, thank you very much. Looking forward to uh, chopping it up with you on Thursday, my friend. Yeah, it'll be fun. And, hey, real quick, good job on the uh, on the call on Saturday night. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. There you go. All right, James Merlin, editor at DenverFan.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Uh, when Nate and I come back, uh, we got to dive a little further into Baron Browning and Nick Benito, how those guys did out there on the edge. That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. All right. Uh, I mean, everybody knows the chorus, but nobody knows the verses. Well, you kind of know it there a little bit. I know the cadence. I know the way it sounds, but I don't know the words. words. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that was the vocal styling of one, Nate Jackson. Uh, we talked about Josh Johnson, uh, maybe the standout offensively, or maybe the standout of the entire game on Saturday. But I think uh, the guy who opened everyone's eyes defensively was Baron Browning. Baron Browning, uh, 
There was uh, some concern about him making that transition from inside linebacker to outside linebacker. Turns out uh, George Payton and Coach Hackett uh, looked at his body type, skill set, athletic ability, and thought he could make that transition. And uh, the results from game one were extremely positive. Yeah, they were. And we, and we saw some positive results preceding that in, in camp. Yes. Right? I mean, this guy has been day in and day out kind of flashing at camp. He did so on Thursday against the Cowboys, and he continued again on Saturday. Like, last year he did some really good things, I thought, at middle linebacker. He missed the off-season conditioning program. He was hurt. Like, he missed a good deal of training camp. He came in and uh, was asked to play middle linebacker and cover tight ends and do kinds of sideline-to-sideline side stuff, which he did a pretty good job of, I thought. But he just looks like a different athlete playing outside linebacker. He just looks like a different dude. He's just, you know, more confident, more kind of swagger, and just coming downhill and bending that corner seems like a natural position for him. That transition between the two is not always easy. You know, I flip-flopped in between those for most of my career. You know, I showed up to see you as an out, uh, as an outside linebacker. Well, he said, Chad, uh, we have an All-American in Alfred Williams, mm. another All-American in Canavis McGee. Do you think you could play inside linebacker? I think I should try yeah. so I can get on the field. Um, so I did that for two years. Those guys left. Uh, then I moved to outside linebacker. Uh, you know, I'm going to the draft as an outside linebacker. Bill Cowher says, hey, uh, we just signed Kevin Green to play outside linebacker. You think you can play inside linebacker? Well, coach, I've already heard that story before. Yes, I can. And if you want me to punt, I could do that too. That part was a little sarcasm. Um, hmm. But all throughout my career, I flip-flopped in between those. And so I think Baron Browning has that position flexibility. But to your point, I think he looked far more comfortable and far more natural from a skill set standpoint as an outside guy than he did as an inside guy. So a lot of people were upset that he was playing into the third quarter. Like, get him out of there. You know, he's like obviously flashing. We need him during the season. Pull him out of the game. Did you have those same thoughts? No, no. I, I think... When you're new to a position, you need to see as much as you can see. Even if you've already flashed and you've shown you got this skill set, there's just a different things you'll see as an outside linebacker than versus an inside linebacker. As an inside linebacker, there are plays designed where they don't block you at all. Um, and that's a normal part of it. But as an outside linebacker, if you're not being blocked, then something's up. It's a reverse they're going to run, uh, you know, a quarterback, you know, zone read on you. There's reasons why you aren't being blocked. So there's all those differences between inside and outside that that occur. But I think you need to see them in real action to get them down. Yeah, you got a great natural skill set and you have a great natural feel for this for this position. But until you see those things for the first time, uh, particularly full speed, then you don't have them down. So I understand where folks are coming from. Hey, this guy, he's going to be part of a rotation, which he will be. But he needs to see these things in order to play them well, particularly during the regular season. Yeah, you mentioned Josh Johnson having a great game, but I thought Baron Browning was the best player on the field mm-hmm. uh, in that game. And so with Randy Gregory coming back, yep, he hasn't been out there at all. Um, and I heard him talking the other day, and he's saying that that shoulder sur- surgery was something that had been bothering him for two or three years. So he'd been playing with that. And now he finally has it fixed, and his legs should be good, his body should be great. But if Randy Gregory is not ready to go week one, who are you starting opposite Bradley Chubb? Is it Malik Reed? I think or it's is got, it Graham Browning? I think it's got to be Malik Reed at this point. Um, I would love to see Baron Browning going up against some first-teamers. You know, the Cowboys played very few guys. 
Um, so I would love to see that. Um, and there are lots of things that an offensive coordinator can do to you as uh, an edge guy that can be a bit confusing. Um, if they know you've got you know, a pass drop responsibility and they fire that fullback at you directly and you hunker down because you think it's going to be a run play and that fullback's going to kick you out and suddenly he slips you and runs out to the flat, you got to see that in real live action a couple times before you understand the nuance between the two, and and, and describe it. What is the nuance? How do you know it's a pass? Are you are you do you have your peripheral vision on the on the alignment? It, there you go. You have to take in the other clues. So if you are just literally focused on that fullback, and the offensive coordinators aren't dumb, they line that fullback up to your side so he can be the blinking light to take your attention away. Oh, so it's a fullback to my side. I got to be ready for this dude to to try to kick me out. So I want to get two yards upfield, dip my inside shoulder, dip my hips. You know, get a get a nice strong edge set to force this run back inside. Why well, go do that? And this dude slips me, and then he runs out to the flat and catches a pass and turns upfield. Well, that's also my responsibility. So I need to see the offensive line. I need to see the quarterback and all my vision. When you're a young player, your keys are so narrowly focused. Ah, fullback. Let me look at him. No, you got to broaden your scope out a bit. So I'm loving what I'm seeing from Baron Browning. And, and I think he's got enough background, obviously played at Ohio State, a high level of college football. Some of these things aren't going to be new to him, but you need to see them full speed to, to get them down. So uh, I would be concerned if I were Coach Evero, uh, if it's going against Seattle on Monday night, that uh, if I'm going with him over Malik Reed that there would be a number of plays in the first half where my young player gets fooled by some of these tricks. So let me present a scenario to you. Um, Baron Browning, because of a great first half, they, they decide they're not going to play him the rest of the preseason, right? He's not going to get those reps. Um, and then late in the season, Randy Gregory goes down or Bradley Chubb goes down and Baron Browning goes in and he's got to play these valuable minutes. And in the, in the last two minutes of a game where you're trying to protect the lead, he makes the mistake that you just talked about, uh-huh. and that causes the other team to score and win the game. That's an argument for playing in the preseason. It's a direct argument, yes. Yeah. You need to see these things. Uh, uh, now, Coach Hackett did talk about that. He In our production meeting, and I feel comfortable sharing this, there are certain players who he knows what they have and what they bring. Down in, down out, game in, game out. Obviously, Russell Wilson's in that category. Um, Garrett Bowles is in that category. There's, you know, uh, Pat Tan's in that category. Justin Simmons is in that category. But there's other players, regardless of how well you showed up out there during training camp and you did in the joint practice, I need to see you do this in the game. And I need to see you do this, you know, repeatedly and show some consistency with that. Barry and Browning fits in that category. Promising player, good flashes. We love what you're doing. But you're still in that category where I need to now see you show that skill level is sustainable. You did against twos. Now let me see you do it against ones. That kind of thing. So this philosophy from this coaching staff is not so far removed from what you and I are used to. It's got a new look to it. There's some differences. But still that evaluation process and that trust that a player has to build up with a coach has to occur. And that's only going to occur in game action. And so if a guy like Baron Brown, he's going to be out there. Clearly, this coaching staff didn't have that same trust with Malik Reed. He played, what, 17 plays on Saturday. He still has a little proven to do for this coaching staff. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this week plays out, who plays, who doesn't. Um, you know, maybe we should dive into that next. If you had to put on your Coach Hackett hat, Nate Jackson, who's up this week, who's down? We'll talk about that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Tease, man. It was in my head. Now it's gone. What did we tease out? We're talking about how we're going to structure these preseason games. We there gonna, we are go. We're going to play these starters or not right, yet. Right. I teased out to you. I asked you exactly um, if you to put on your Coach Hackett hat. Um, preseason game number two. Starters play, couple series. We, we saw a variety of structures around the league. Some teams played their guys. Some teams didn't. Patrick Mahomes got a series in. Uh, Coach Jackson, what are you doing with this Broncos roster? I'm playing my boys. Ooh, I'm playing them. You know why? Because I think they need. I think they need it. Huh? No, Russell Wilson's a, a whole different discussion because he is our number one commodity here. He is the guy that we traded the farm for. He's the guy we're putting our hopes and dreams and aspirations of winning a Super Bowl in. I would play Russell Wilson, but I understand the people who don't want to. But what about Jerry Judy? You think he needs some work? I think so. Yeah, what about Dalton Reisner? You think I he think needs some so. work? so, yes. Quinn Miners, think he needs some work? Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Cushenberry, you think he needs some work? Um, You know, some guys, I, Draymond Jones, I'm, I don't really need to see him go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ Jones been been nursing a back. But um, Josie Jewell, I want to see him. Um, Ronald Darby, I think he, I think he could use some work out there. Mm-hmm. Justin Simmons, maybe a little bit. Just to, he seems like like he's never missed a snap. Justin Simmons, and I know we're afraid of getting everybody hurt, but you also have to look at a professional's ability to stay healthy and manage every game situation that that arises in front of him. I think Justin Simmons is a type of pro that you can put out there in preseason, and he'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I agree. Kareem Jackson, um, I want to see him out there. I do. I know he's a vet, and he's got a lot of vet days, and he's you know the elder statesman in that room. But I want him to sharpen his sword a little bit because the opening game is important. Every game is important. James Merrillat thinks they need to be off to eight and three start to have a chance to make the playoffs. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but they do need to win early if they want to make a run late. And you know, nothing prepares you for football like football. And I think preseason games have value. I think this team needs to come together. I still do believe that they are a team that needs the reps because it is a new system. Uh, It is a new offense. It is a new coaching staff. There are some kinks to work out. That running game was not special on either side, the defense or the offense. Mm -hmm. So I I think I I would play my guys. I'm, I'm willing to take the risk of injury to have my guys go out there and play. Jonas Griffith dislocated his elbow, but that's a four to six week injury. He's going to be back. And so you have to assume that guys are going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt at practice. They're going to get hurt in games. They're going to recover. They're going to be back. We hate the season-ending injuries like Tim Patrick and Demaria Crockett had, um, but we assume that that's part of football. Those guys had that on non-contact, you know, stepping wrong type of plays. So I have no problem playing my guys in the preseason. I would play probably a quarter coming up this 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 game in Buffalo and the third game I would play them as well because there's two weeks from the last preseason game to the first game I want these guys to be in football shape I want them to have football uh in their muscle memory and get a little connection out there 
no surprise. Uh, you and I are basically on the same page here, um, like most things. It, this, you need to go out there and 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 play um, at at full speed and. The, the rhythm of it, the cadence of it, the communication of it. There's so many little nuanced pieces that can occur uh, that you need to all be on the same page with that. Yeah, I don't need to see a, a ton of action. The old school, you, well, we're going to play through the whole first half and you'll come out in the third quarter after halftime. Uh, I think I've evolved my thinking on that. But all these guys, um, Randy Gregory, you got to test that thing out full speed at some point. I'd love to, if, if the, you're cleared for that. Uh, Bradley Chubb, I want to see you go out there and set the edge a yep. couple of times, yep. full speed. Pat Sertan, I need, to, I, I want to see you come up and make a tackle, full speed. I don't need to see a ton of it, but you got to check that off the list. You got to check it off the list, and and I know teams are handling things differently. The Rams do what the Rams do, uh, but that's the Rams program. You are allowed to have your own program. You don't, you don't need to necessarily model it that way. Heck, again. Kansas City's been pretty successful doing what they do, yep. and Patrick Mahomes played in the first preseason game. Yep, yep. There's there's not just one way to do it. You got you got to figure out what your your team needs. Right? We're not chasing the Rams. We're chasing the Chiefs, and and they're playing their guys. You know, and, and so take that with a grain of salt. There's there's a lot of different ways to do this thing. You gotta you gotta understand what your team needs, and I think Nathaniel Hackett's gonna be good at that. He seems like a guy who listens to his team who listens to his his starters, his stars, who pays attention, and who can modify his approach based on new evidence. Like a lot of old-school coaches, man, they're just going to do what they do every year, and it's, they're not going to deviate from that. Uh, Hackett has talked about this being a new NFL, but some of the virtues of the old NFL do still matter, right? There's a reason why people love the new NFL. It's because of the old NFL. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. It's because of what was built. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry because of the old NFL, not because the new NFL. So there are some virtues of the old NFL that I think should last and should remain. But I believe that Hackett has his finger on the pulse, and he's going to make the right decision with these guys. How many games would you be willing, regular season games, would you be willing to sacrifice uh, to not play your starters? I mean, Zero. It, Okay, I don't so, want to sacrifice any games. Okay, you know, so, like if, if it's going to contribute to us losing a game, I'm worth the, uh, it's worth the risk t- to me to play your guys. I, I think that's a, a fun way to phrase this argument. Is okay, you, you somehow think your team can just hit the ground running uh, and not be behind at all without any preseason action? I, I don't think that's actually possible. Football, it's. The uh, the NFL films the guy with his uh, what's the guy who does all the the voice of God? Oh, I was going to say Steve, Steve Sable, but he doesn't do the voice. It's uh, Fatunda or something. Fatunda, whatever whatever his, his name is. The frozen it, Tundra of Rotunda. I may be combining those in my head, but whatever that guy with the voice. Football is a game of inches. It is a game of inches, and if you don't think that your preseason action helped you gain those inches. How many plays are missed or made by inches? How many games come down to a field goal at the last second? Tons of them. And so if you ignore the fact that you can get a little bit further ahead or make yourself or your team or your rhythm or your continuity or your understanding or all those variety of factors that influence your ability to win or lose a game by getting some preseason action in, uh, then you, then I think you are answering the question that you are beginning to willing to sacrifice a regular season game to come out the preseason with all your starters healthy. That's what your, that's the risk reward on the other side of the scale. Um, yeah, could you get to lose a starter? Could you 
could guys get banged up? Clearly. We lost uh, the starting inside linebacker, um, for at least for a couple of weeks there with a dislocated elbow. But are you willing to make that sacrifice for more guys uh, not being ready to play and potentially sacrifice the game? In the NFL, in a division that's going to come down to the last couple of weeks of the season, where you one game can make the absolute difference between making the playoffs and not winning the division and not home field advantage or not uh, buy or not, I'm not willing to sacrifice any of that. John Facenda. There we go. Okay, so I was kind of correct. You were pretty close. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't matter how healthy you are if you're five and twelve. <laughs> nope. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, we need these guys to play good football. So so that's the most important thing is to win football games at all costs. But it is a tough it's a tough balancing act for a head coach because it's hard it's hard to win around this time. I mean, Coach Hackett talked about it. Like the preseason games don't don't matter. So so the wins don't really matter, right? They they don't count. And then the injuries, of course, do affect you. But um, you got to get your team ready to play. And September twelfth is going to be hostile territory. It will be. It will be. There's team. You know, despite the Great showing on Thursday, the great showing on Saturday. There clearly is work to be done, and I need, to, I need to see the starters do some of that work. Well, that's it for you and I. It was fun catching up with you after missing yesterday. Uh, tomorrow, maybe we uh, shift our focus from a review to a little bit more of a preview, talking about the matchup against the Bills and what we need to see more from this team. Uh, Stokely and Zach, those guys, they're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.